Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that you would not only feel inspired, but that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. We've been in a series really since Mother's Day uh, talking about the power of rest, the power of a Sabbath. And I want to continue on that thought today. So would you stand with me as we read God's word? Going to go to a familiar passage of scripture. If you super saved and you're a proud Sunday school alumnus, you got this verse memorized. And if you only come to church on Easter and Christmas, you probably have heard this verse in your life. It is Psalm 23, Psalm 23. And I'm gonna look at it. We're gonna read all six verses, even though I just need one of them. When you're ready to read it, say, yep. If you're not ready, say, hold up. It's always a hold up. It is one, two, three screens. What you talking about, hold up? (laughs) Psalms 23, starting at verse number one. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. Ooh, pause. It would be good just for you to prepare the table, but you're going to do it in the presence of my haters too? That's a good shepherd. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody say amen and give God some praise. That is so good. I had to read it from the New King James Version because I like all the shouts. It makes it sound more poetic. Y'all stay standing. Hold on, we gonna pray. Come on, you can sit down in a minute. They're like, Robert, you worship so long, my feet hurt. We gonna sit down. (laughs) I I wanna preach to you today, not long, probably about two and a half hours. Um, Using this as a title, The Stress of Rest. The Stress of rest. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence that is here. God, thank you that we are feeling more than the air conditioning tonight. You are in the room. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to move. God, shake whatever you want to shake. Remove whatever you want to remove from our lives. We did not come here today to be entertained. We came to be drastically changed. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Now you can sit down. Now you can sit down. Relax. Take a load off. Somebody say, the stress of rest. Look at a neighbor next to you, the one you might have ignored this entire service, and look at them right in their face and say, neighbor, the stress of rest. I realize, even as I get started in this message, that perhaps there's a tension within my title. And some of you think that I misspoke and that the graphics team messed up, because it would seem like in a series called The Rest of Your Life, that the title would be The Rest From Stress. But what you talking about? The stress of rest. How in the world could they be, there be stress of rest? And if you're confused about that, you have obviously never gone on vacation with your kids. <laughs> gone on vacation with your kids and got back from the vacation and needed another vacation. Because <laughs> you realize you didn't go on a vacation, you went on a trip. Even if you don't have kids. Maybe you went on vacation with a friend who is not normal. See, normal people go on vacation to chill. People who are not normal go on vacation and they got a schedule of how we gonna chill. I don't vacation with those people. I mean, we just landed and you got a binder with different highlights of what we gonna do each day. I don't go on vacation with you. 
already stressed out. How can you have stress and rest? Oh, you can have it together. You can have it, especially if you've ever been at a bougie hotel and had a good time relaxing and ordered room service at the bougie hotel. Talking about, I'm rested. I'm not going to cook. They're just going to bring it to me. Real bougie hotel. Yeah, I'll have the couscous with extra truffle. And you have it just bringing it to your room. And then you get the bill for that couscous. And all of a sudden, what was rest now becomes stress. It's the stress of rest. Let me go ahead and address what I'm carrying because I think what we just experienced in that little illustration of my homie Jamal bringing this on me is how a lot of people are living their lives right now. Because right as I'm beginning to talk about the power of rest, right as I'm ready to receive the rest, here comes somebody dropping a load of stress on my back. Am I the only one that has ever experienced that phenomenon of right when you say, I'm going to be intentional, I'm going to take a break, I've been listening to the sermon, I need a pause. It's right at the moment that you decide to rest, here comes a load of stress. I'll be honest with you, I need to change my series from now on because it seems like right when I started preaching the rest of your life, woo, the stress of my life has seemed to intensify. And it's intriguing to me that all of us in this room have to work to stop working. Have you noticed this? It is a fight for your peace. You have to be intentional to keep your sanity. It takes strength to say, I'm not going to keep going and going and going. I'm going to stop and pause before I wreck my life. Because everybody under the sound of my voice and watching online, truly at your core, at your heart, you want to operate from a place of peace. Nobody wants to strive. We want to operate from a place of peace. Nobody in here woke up this morning and said, you know what, I think I want a panic attack about 8 o'clock today. N nobody in here plans their life to have anxiety. There's nobody in here that has a life goal that says, you know what, when I turn 40, I really want to have a nervous breakdown. Nobody plans to have a breakdown. You don't pick to have a breakdown. I'll never forget one time I was driving on 75 with my father, I should say my Nigerian father. And there was a massive wreck on I-75, massive wreck. At least we thought it was a wreck because the line was backed up. And when we finally got around to see, well, you know when you get so annoyed because you're like, what in the world is going on? We found out it was a car that just broke down in the middle of the highway. And as we passed by, I'll never forget it, my Nigerian father said, that is a horrible place to break down. <laughs> to which I said, nobody gets to pick where you're going to break down. <laughs> you don't get to pick where your car is going to break down. It's not like your transmission sends you a text message <laughs> talking about, I'm about to give up on you. Do you want me to pull over right now or you want to go three exits up where there's the Chipotle? Nobody picks a breakdown. You don't get to pick when or where you break down. You just break down down in your car. It's the same thing with your body. You don't get to pick when or where you're going to break down, but if you don't understand the power of a pause, sooner or later you will break down because you were not created for this incessant pace of going and going and going. God created you to have a rhythm of rest. It's worth repeating. I said it in the first sermon. You were created for the rhythm of God, which is I love it when y'all do it. The ah is the pause of God. Because we're learning in this series that your power is in your pause. That you get to pause is actually a privilege. Think about this. Did you know there was a time, for some of y'all who were young, you know there was a time there was a history of TV that you couldn't pause a TV? Yes, that's new. That's new, Gen Z. That's new. There was a time that you could not pause a TV. There was a time where you could not pause a vinyl record. That thing would just keep spinning and spinning and spinning, and you just missed the song if you had to do something. You could not pause it. It just kept going. There was a time in the first video game that was created, one of the very first video games, the Atari had no pause button on the controller. They just didn't expect you to have a bathroom break. You just got to sit there and keep playing the game. They didn't have a pause in it. Think of sports. How much has it changed the game that you can throw a flag 
and say, I challenge this play. And you can pause and look at it again and say, wait a minute, they made the wrong call. Go back. No, back up. Take that back. That's the beauty of a Sabbath is that whenever you pause, you're able to look at some things and a pause will change the game. A pause will shift you from one decision to another decision when you actually take the time to look at it because you can pick your pause. You can pick your rest, but how many know you cannot pick your stress? I love that I can pick my rest, but I don't get to pick my stress. If you notice, I didn't put this bag on me. It came on me. You don't get to pick your stress. Stress by definition is a response. It's a response. It is the way your brain and your body responds to an external demand. And when you get that external demand, you feel the weight of the stress. Have you ever experienced it? You got a new job and you feel the weight. You got a promotion. You were happy about the paycheck, but now you're looking at the workload and the weight of the stress. You were praying for a baby, weren't you? Oh God, please, we want a child. And now you have that child and it won't sleep and the weight of the stress. You were so unsatisfied being single. God, where my man? Where my Boaz? God, where my wife? I've been looking and now you married. And you didn't realize there's a a stress. Oh, so you're not clean. This is how you do. You're just going to throw the socks all over the bathroom. The weights of the stress on your OCD self. And all of us in this room, hear me, we are carrying something. All of us. There is not a single person in this room, please believe me when I tell you, that is walking around like this. Not a single person. I was extra and told them to get a big old backpack from Target because I wanted you to visually see that every single person in this room, in some area of your life, in some way, shape, or form, you look like this. You're carrying something. Your bag might be a different color than her bag. Your bag might be Louis, his might be Target. But I promise you, you got some baggage. You are carrying something. I have often said that life is like the airport. Everybody's got baggage. Have you noticed that everybody at the airport has baggage? And it's fine to have baggage. If you are breathing, you have some type of baggage. Everybody at the airport has baggage because everybody is headed somewhere. You have a destiny. And if you have a destiny, I promise you, you have some baggage. I promise you there's something you're carrying, something that you went through. Every single person that is alive has baggage. There's nothing wrong with baggage. But just like the airport, it will cost you if your baggage weighs too much. The only time baggage becomes a problem is when it comes to the weight. Weight always costs you something. Sometimes just a pound over costs you. Just a a pound over and you're looking at the agent like, for real? Yeah, I'm sorry, you're going to have to remove something. Yeah, it's just a pound over. But yet that weight still costs you something to carry it. So really what I'm asking today as we talk about the stress of rest, I want to know today, what are you carrying? What are you stressed about? What are you carrying? Better question, are you even supposed to be carrying it? Psychologists tell us that most of the stress that we carry isn't even our stress. It is the stress of somebody else that we have taken on to carry. Are you even supposed to be carrying the weight that you're carrying right now? I love how God speaks to me, especially when I'm preparing a message. He always makes sure that there's a life scenario that lines up with the word that I'm preaching. So last week, y'all good? Last week, my beautiful wife that I've been married to for eight years now, she's holding her phone and she comes to me and I can already tell in her voice. She says, babe, you got to see this. You're going to die. Anytime she starts a sentence like this, there's no telling what's on the other side of that screen. I said, babe, you got to see this, you're going to die. And I look at the phone, and my wife proceeds to show me a video. I think the video was from a camera company that was trying to sell you their video cameras. It, it is of a man who on a casual day is outside with his wife who is taking their little cat to the vet. And out of the blue, a bobcat comes 
and jumps on his wife's neck. And you hear it on the video. You hear all these noises. And she's screaming. And he doesn't realize what's going on. She's like, help, help. All of a sudden, he just reacts. And he goes and he grabs the bobcat by the neck and throws the bobcat. And the bobcat had rabies and started shaking his head and coming back at it. This is what my wife shows me on a Tuesday afternoon at 345 in the afternoon. So immediately I see the video, I'm nervous, I'm stressed out. And the reason I'm stressed is because before we moved into our neighborhood, our neighbor told us that there's a family of bobcats that occasionally drinks from their pool. Now mind you, I haven't seen the bobcats ever, but this is still in my mind and I've now seen this video. So I, I, I wake up the next morning, as I often do, and I'm going early to go work out, and I wish I had the security cam video to show you because you can see it on the security cam video. I step outside, ready for my workout, and I take no more than three steps in my own driveway, and after the third step, it hit me. A bobcat could come and bite the back of my neck off right now. And you see it on video. I go from walking to running, and I jump in my car, and I lock the doors, and I just speed off real fast. So I, I tell my wife and some other people, I ain't gonna say their names, Chandler, and I show them the video, and, and they're laughing at me, they're clowning me, they're like, ha, 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 ha. I'm laughing because you hadn't even seen a bobcat, and you run into your car, ha, ha, ha. It was real funny. <laughs> Till this week, I can't make this up. Our neighbor across the street sends us a video from his camera, and in the video, this is what you see coming across the street to my house. Do you see that? You can't see it. Zoom in so they can see how big. Is that a cheetah or a leopard? This is Zeus-size coming from my yard. I'm not making this up. This is for real. Get this, get, zoom in closer so you can see its face. Coming for me. That's not real, but the other two are for real. So can you imagine how I'm walking around my house now? How I am outside now? The stress that is on my life has now escalated. It's interesting because psychologists say there are two types of stress. There's acute stress. That can actually be healthy. It's the stress that you haven't seen the bobcat yet, but you know, it just says maybe you should run to your car real fast. <laughs> but then there's also chronic stress. And chronic stress is not the stress that comes in a moment. It's the stress that won't leave. It's the fact that now I have evidence that there's a bobcat in the area. It's the fact that any moment he could show up. It's the fact that I called animal control and found out they have no control at all. Because I said, come get this bobcat. They said, sir, we can't get it if we can't see it. I said, I saw it. You need me to send you a picture so you can identify it? They said, sir, we can't do anything. I said, well, what do I do? Can I shoot it? They said, no, you cannot shoot it, sir, unless you're defending yourself. I said, for real? So I'm just out here in these streets, stressed out, chronically. I know we're being funny, but all of us have something. A foreboding something that causes a weight of stress that makes you turn your head, that makes you go, the sickness is not getting better. The finances are not getting better. It's the stress that won't stop. It's the stress that keeps going. And I am a grown man, but I'm not afraid to tell you I'm afraid in my own house. We about to move. I'm looking for houses right now. <laughs> the reason I'm not afraid to tell you I'm afraid is because I'm fully aware, hear me today, that I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. That's why I'm afraid. I wish I could tell you that I was this masculine, never scared of nothing. I wish that bobcat would. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm telling my kids now, you see one, you better run. It's every Madhu for themselves. I got to preach. I got to preach the gospel. <laughs> I got to live. Souls need to be saved. I'm afraid. I am afraid. You know why I'm afraid? Because I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. This is the power of my text today. 
The power of Psalms 23 is that David is admitting he is a sheep. Before you can even delve into the beauty and the poetry of Psalm 23, or even deal with the fact that the Lord is our shepherd, you must deal with the fundamental admission of David, that David is saying, guess what? I'm a sheep. David, the dude that defeated a giant, hit him in the head with the rock with precision, made him fall down, and it was enough to kill him? No. He said, I'm going to decapitate you. That David said, I'm a sheep. David, the same dude who was a worshiper and a warrior, he was a creative and a killer. David will write you a beautiful song and cut your neck off the next day. That's how gangster he was. He was fearless. David, the one that killed a hundred men just so he could get Saul's daughter, that fearless, radical, both audacious dude said, oh, guess what? I'm a sheep. I have a vulnerability. I'm afraid. I'm a shepherd, but I'm a sheep. I'm a shepherd, but I'm a sheep. Look at the dichotomy of the fact that he says, I'm a shepherd, but I'm still a sheep. And you need to hear me today. You will never tap into the power of the Lord being your shepherd until you first understand that you are a sheep. You will never step into the beauty of knowing that God will guide and lead you until you first make the fundamental admission from a place of humility that I'm a sheep. I might be a shepherd, but I'm a sheep too. The other day I was at Orange Theory Fitness working out, pay me. And as I was on the treadmill, something incredible happened. The head coach of Orange Theory came next to me on the treadmill. She wasn't coaching the class. She was working out in the class, and it was a crazy workout. We rode like 3,000 meters, and it was so crazy because she's right next to me, and we're 3,000 meters, and I'm dying, and it blessed my life because as we got to the 3,000th meter, I heard the master coach say, oh, when will it stop? Oh, that blessed my life because she's the one that's always saying, don't stop, keep going. But it blessed me. It blessed me to see her go, when will it stop? Because her saying, when will it stop, was it a mission? <laughs> She's a sheep. Coaching a fitness class does not preclude you from taking the fitness class. This is why therapists have therapists. This is why trainers have trainers. This is why worship leaders worship. This is why preachers need good preaching. This is why doctors still get prescriptions. This is why doctors still have surgery because the frailty of humanity is the reality that all of us are sheep. I don't care how good you think you look. I don't care how much swag you got. I don't care how many followers you got on the gram. If you don't have the humility to admit that I am vulnerable, I don't know where to go. I can't guide myself. I can't lead myself. Life is above my pay grade. I need somebody to guide me, to show me the way because left to myself, I will lose it. Somebody just say, I'm a sheep. sheep. Say it like you believe it. Say, I'm a sheep. David admits, I don't have it all together. I have vulnerability. I'm a sheep. Sheep are completely vulnerable. Sheep don't have any defense mechanisms, nothing. Sheep can't fight, they don't have fangs. Sheep can't, sheep hate uncertainty. They're easily scared. A bunny could jump in the field and the sheep will just take off. They don't like surprises. Sheep are prone to wander. See, a lot of preachers talk about sheep and they always say sheep are what, stupid? They're not stupid, they're actually intellectual. They are some of the most social and smart animals. The reason why people assume they're stupid is because they are prone to wander. They're prone to wander. They have to be guided. Not only are they prone to wander, they don't know where home is. You have to show, hey! You live here. Oh, really? Thanks, I didn't know. (laughs) They're They're not stupid. They're just prone to wander and they don't know where home is. That's why you gotta be careful when you see lost sheep because they don't know where home is. They're wandering. It's some right here on Greenville Avenue. Don't know where home is and don't know that where you are is not home and will never be home and will never fulfill the void that is on the inside of you. Sheep 
are prone to wander and they don't know where home is. There's an atheist that wrote a book and the first line in the book is a statement that speaks to the human predicament. The first line in the book says, I don't believe in God, but I sure do miss him. That'll hit you when you get home. Because it speaks to the reality that at our core, we all wonder and we don't know where home is. David is admitting, before I say I'm a shepherd, I gotta let you know that I am a sheep. I have to be guided and led by the shepherd because I do not know where I'm supposed to go. So when I look at Psalm 23, perhaps the most famous Psalm, people always get comforted by it, which we should, but Psalms 23 can't comfort you until it insults you <laughs> and lets you know that you have to be guided. And David writes this, I think, from his own experience. I think one day, David, he's out there in the field, he's watching the sheep, which by the way, shepherds, this was a menial task. It wasn't like you looked forward to being a shepherd. Shepherds were low in society. That's why he wasn't invited when the king was being picked for Israel. They neglected him. He's out with his sheep. That's why it was amazing that your God, my God, would reveal himself. Angels would show up to lowly shepherds because nobody was trying to be a shepherd. A shepherd is just something that you ended up doing because there was nothing else for you to do. And David is isolated. He's out there with all those sheep. He has plenty of time to contemplate, plenty of time to write songs. He's out there by himself. And the sheep are now his friends. He didn't just see them as a flock. How many you know he knew them by name? That's Molly. That's Fred. That's Spot. He's got all these names for these sheep. And over the years, he starts developing relationship with these sheep. He starts getting close to them. He loves these sheep. And all of a sudden, by his admission when he fought Goliath, one day, a lion, a bobcat, comes out of the blue to attack the sheep. And David, I don't even think he realized, it just came over him. He goes and yanks the sheep out of the lion's mouth and defeats a lion with his bare head. Do you believe the Bible is real? Can you believe that this young boy defeated not just a lion, but a bear? Killed a bear for some incompetent sheep? Killed a bear for some crazy little old sheep? Come on, be honest. If that was you, you'd be throwing sheep at the lion. Come on, man. Go somewhere with us. Now, David, something came over him. He said, I got to defend him. They don't seem like they should be defended, but something in me has to defend them. They don't seem like they're worth it, but they're worth it to me. They might not be your sheep, but they're my sheep, and I have a responsibility to protect them. They don't even seem like they should be protected, but I gotta protect them. They don't seem like they're worth being protected, but I gotta protect them. I know they stink, I know they're filthy, but it's something about their stink that I love, and I gotta protect them. I know you would throw the sheep at the lion, but they're not your sheep, they're my sheep. And something came over him, he had to protect them, even though it didn't seem like they were worth protecting. And I think that after wiping the sweat off of his face from defeating a bear and a lion, you know, sometimes your adrenaline kicks in. You're like, did I just do this? Did I just risk it all for this? <laughs> I think somewhere after the fight, it hits him. It hits him. It hits him like it hit me when I was in the hospital and my son, Robert Madu III, was born. I'll never forget it. I'm holding my son, my firstborn son, Robert Madu III, and my dad was in the room. And there was a moment in the hospital when I looked at my son, and then I looked at my dad, and it hit me. Oh, you love me this much. I didn't know it until I had kids. My dad would always say, son, I love you, but I didn't get it. <laughs> when I had mine, I realized, oh, dad, oh, you love me like I love him. That's what hit David that day. 
after he defeated that lion and that bear, it hit him. Lord, you love me like that. I'm not even worth defending, but you think I am. I don't even seem like I deserve being defended or protected, but you, you love me like, if I can love sheep like this, surely you can love, oh, I feel a song, and it gets his heart. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not want. He starts singing it. But he sang it out of a revelation that I am the sheep, he is the shepherd. Do you see how heavy the 23rd Psalm is on the shepherd's part? You understand the shepherd does all the work. He leads me beside the still waters. He prepares a table before me. It's for his name's sake. He anoints my head with oil. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He, he, it's all about the shepherd. No wonder it's the 23rd Psalm. It's obvious who the Michael Jordan of the text is. It's all about the shepherd. He's doing the work. But the thing that brought me to this text today, and all that was my intro. The thing that I got confused about, y'all, is in verse number two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's what jacked me up. He makes me lie down in green pastures. One would think that if the shepherd brings you to green pastures, he wouldn't have to make you lie down in it. Come on, one would think that if you got in green pastures, you'd be like, oh, this is a good place right here to lay down. I'm going to chill right here. Why does the shepherd have to make us lie down in green pastures? He makes me? Just like Taylor saying, oh, I didn't want to buy these shoes, but Robert made me buy these shoes on sale. No, I didn't. What? Why would the shepherd have to make you lie down in green pastures? Better question. Why do I have to force my youngest daughter, Remy, to go to bed every night? The thing that will actually bring her rest and peace, she fights me about every single, it is World War III in our house, every single night for my youngest daughter, Remington Elaine, to go to bed. Ah, she gets stressed as soon as it starts getting dark. Ah, and she's as tired as all get out but she is constantly fighting the rest I'm telling you this is the stress of rest that often we are rejecting the very thing that the shepherd is trying to get us to do the very thing that your soul needs you have the tendency to reject every night it's a fight Remy go to bed oh, I don't want to why 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 and do you know what I tell her when she says why the line that every kid can't wait to use because your parents used it on you because I said it's a gangster line that's what I say to her she's three and when she is fighting the rest I say to her you gotta go to bed because I said so Whew, big jump you know what I don't say to my three year old daughter I don't say to her well Remy Here's why you have to go to bed. Actually, your name is Remy. Let's shorten it for REM. Okay, there is non-REM sleep and there's REM sleep. REM stands for rapid eye movement. Remy, if you don't get at least six to eight hours of rapid eye movement sleep, your body is not gonna get the rest that it needs. In fact, there's a stress hormone that produces cortisol in your body and it's gonna affect your neurological system. And it's, I, I don't say all that. You know why? Because she couldn't even comprehend that. She's three. There is a chasm between my intellect and her intellect. So for me to explain the process of sleep would be far beyond her. So what she has to do is trust me and say that because I'm telling you to go to bed, you need to trust that I'm your father and I have your best interest in mind and I need you to be okay with the commandment of go to bed even though I didn't give you an explanation because you couldn't even cognitively comprehend the explanation. You understand that the chasm 
chasm that is between my intellect and my daughter's intellect is much like the chasm between your intellect and God's intellect. Come on, his ways are above your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts. And yet you're still waiting for God to give you an explanation when God is waiting for you to trust him that if he told you to rest, it is in your best interest. Quit waiting on the explanation and trust that if he gave you the commandment, there's rest on the other side of it. Here's the stress of rest. The stress of rest lies in your ability to trust. Rest is not spelled R-E-S-T. Rest is spelled T-R-U-S-T. Because you will only rest to the degree that you trust. If you don't trust, you'll never be able to rest. Why am I so stressed? Because you don't trust. If you trusted, you would rest in what the shepherd has for you. And so he has to make you lie down in green pastures. Real quick, everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. I want you to think about these green pastures. Close your eyes. I want you to picture green pastures. Worship team, join me. You see your green pastures? Some of y'all looking at me. You know I can see you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see it? You see your green pastures? Picture Picture you, a little bitty old sheep, in those beautiful green pastures. You see it? Okay. Open your eyes. How many of you, how many of you, your green pastures look like this? Look like that? At least that color green grass, right? Yeah. See, that's the problem. See, I don't even know where that is. I'm going to guess like Kansas or something. <laughs> Let me show you green pastures in Jerusalem where David wrote this song. That's your green pastures. That's the reaction I thought. See, where David is writing this song is a hot, arid land. There are no plush green valleys. That's the green pastures. And the shepherd would guide the sheep towards those green pastures. And if I could zoom in on that picture, I can. You would see that underneath those rocks are little bitty pockets of grass. Little bitty pockets of grass that the shepherd who guides you and leads you will tell you to stop and point and say, this is the place of green pasture. And even though it didn't look like it, it was wilderness, you would have to get up under the rock where moisture had gathered and just get a little bit of the grass right there. Sometimes it'd be a lot and sometimes it would just be enough for you that day. And it would be just enough to take the next step and then the shepherd would point and say, go right here. See, this is how we want our green pastures to be. Put that other one up there, the first one. Yeah, that's our problem. We want God to lead us to those green pastures, drop us off, and be like, appreciate it, I'm good now. So you can roll around and eat all the grass you want and dismiss him because you say, you led me here, I'm good. No, 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 that's not the way the shepherd works. The shepherd wants you to trust him for every single step, for every single day. The shepherd wants you to trust him in a place that looks like a wilderness, but underneath the rock in the wilderness is just enough of green grass to satisfy you. Give us this our daily bread it might not be enough but it's enough for the day that I have it's enough for right now it's enough for this season it's enough for this year I have what I need it's not a big plush green valley it's just little bitty pockets of grass underneath the rock that would just sustain you for each step so come here shepherd would you be a shepherd Let me show you what it looks like to follow God. That's the shepherd. I'm the sheep. And I got to follow wherever he leads. And whenever he says stop and eat, wherever he points, right here, next to him in a yellow shirt, 
wherever he points, that's where I have to lie down. I have to trust that he wouldn't have pointed here. If there wasn't something there for me. This is the challenge of walking with God. The challenge of following the shepherd is to not go, man, you don't know what you're doing. I'm my shepherd. Let me go where I want to go. And before you know it. The challenge of life is to follow the shepherd wherever he leads. And when he says point, that's where I eat. Wherever he leads, I have to follow. When it doesn't make sense, when it doesn't look like the area is going to give me what I need, wherever he points, I have to stop. Because he wouldn't have pointed if the place wasn't going to sustain me. Notice the shepherd always leads in the front. He always leads in the front. He does not lead from the back. That's cattle. Cattle are driven, not led. Cattle have to be, go, move, and that's religion. And that's why some of you have bypassed relationship with Jesus because you think he's a cattle driver whipping you saying, go to church, do better. What? No, 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 no. This is a good, good shepherd. He doesn't drive you. He leads you. That's why he wants you to get familiar with his voice because wherever he leads, I follow. This is a good shepherd who guides and leads and the tension of following is to not give up and turn my back when it doesn't even look like where he's leading me will sustain me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Started studying this. Sheep will not lie down if three things aren't taken care of. Number one, they won't lie down if there's friction between them and other sheep. Because sheep are competitive. Sheep butt heads for the place they should eat. They don't think that the shepherd in his wisdom would actually have enough for all of us to be fed. So they compare themselves to other sheep and compare their followers to other sheep's followers and feel like they have to kick other sheep down to lift themselves up. And as long as there's friction between the sheep, they won't lay down because they'll think that there's not enough food to sustain them all. Sheep also won't lay down if there are flies. The way they are made up, flies and parasites will get in the sheep's nose and literally start to bug the sheep to the point that they will bang their head up against the rock. You ever had people just bug the mess out of you to the point, are you texting me again? I can just bug you. If there's flies or parasites, people who are on you but are not contributing to you but are taken from you, they can't lie down if they have flies or parasites on them. And the last one, which is probably the most lethal, is she will not lie down if they're afraid. They have fear, which is hard because they're afraid of everything. <laughs> they're afraid of the future. They're afraid of their past. Some sheep are afraid even when they get to the green pasture. Just like some of you are afraid and you're actually in a season of blessing. And you can't even enjoy it because the enemy is in your ear saying, this won't last. You can't relax in this. This will not last. You're going to lose it. It's like the ooh, Sunday night service, I'll say it. It's like the girl that finally gets a good dude. But you're so used to dysfunctional, terrible dudes that by the time God sends Mr. Green pasture, <laughs> you don't like Mr. Green pasture. <laughs> because you were with crazy blue. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't know about him. He just, he just too nice. He too nice. He's too nice. Yeah, because you have become addicted to dysfunction. And so now that God has actually brought you somebody that is whole, you reject it because you have developed an appetite 
for dysfunction. Sheep will not lie down if they're afraid. Would you lead me? They also won't lie down because they have predators that come behind them. Where's Quentin at? Quentin and Jamal, we all come here real quick. Yeah. See, the challenge of being a sheep is I got to follow the shepherd that's in front of me. Go ahead. But the problem is predators sneak in behind me. As I'm going to the green pasture he's leading me, often on the trail, predators would follow the sheep and seek to steal the sheep while they're going to the place to lay down. And the problem with the sheep is I gotta trust that you got my back as a shepherd. Cause it's not like I got a net to turn around. Have you seen a sheep turn, uh, for a sheep to turn around? <laughs> they gotta change their complete direction. And that's how so many of our lives look. It's like you want to trust God, but every time something from your past calls your name, you turn around. Every time they write on your page or say something crazy, you're turning around to look at the predators behind you. And God is trying to tell you, I got your future. Don't worry about that. It is not your job to look behind you at the predators that are coming behind you. It is your job to trust me and follow me. Stop looking behind challenge of following the shepherd is to know that the shepherd has my front and the shepherd has my back the shepherd has my front and the shepherd has my back the shepherd has my front and the shepherd has my back I know that as I'm trying to get to the green pasture that predators are trying to kill me but if the shepherd has my front he's got to have my back I cannot waste my time trying to turn around to look at what's behind me I gotta trust what's in front of me because if the shepherd is leading me from the front he will take care of the predators in the back and the only way I can lie down is if I trust his leading but here's what I love about David David who was a shepherd David who was the one that knew that predators love to follow his sheep and he would always get in front of them and defend his sheep because he loved him that same David gets this revelation that because Jesus because the Lord is my shepherd I don't have to waste time looking behind me and if I am gonna look behind me I do have something following me. But the thing that is following me is not a lion, it's not a tiger, it's not a bear. The only two things that are following me because I got a good shepherd is goodness and mercy. If I'm going to be paranoid about anything, I got to be paranoid that goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Need somebody to give God the best praise that you got in this place today. Surely, goodness and mercy, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. Oh, I came to tell somebody, you've been paranoid about the wrong stuff. You're paranoid about the predators following you. You should be paranoid about goodness and mercy following you. That's what you should be paranoid about. You should be going, man, are you, are you, is this another blessing from a good shepherd? Is this another door that he's opening? Is this another door that he's closing? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I'm being led by the shepherd. I refuse to be paranoid by the predators. I'm going to be paranoid about anything. I'm going to let it be about goodness and his mercy will stalk me down. I don't have to follow it. I don't have to open doors for it. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to manipulate it. All I got to do is follow the shepherd. And if I follow the shepherd, the goodness and the mercy will follow me. 
Some of you have been following the goodness and the mercy and trying to take care of the predators and trying to do it your own way and think you can find the still waters and think you can lead your life and it's all falling apart because the power is in trust in the shepherd. And here's what I love about life, that even though there are burdens, even though there are all things that I carry, if I can ever get to the place where I trust the shepherd that's in front of me and I know goodness and mercy is following me, why would I not just take the time to lay down and rest? means I'm not going to stay up all night with anxiety trying to answer questions that God has in control. I'm going to go to sleep and rest. You know why? Because the shepherd never sleeps. The shepherd never slumbers. So I can rest at night. I'm going to sleep because I got goodness and I got mercy and I got the shepherd leading me. I'm going to rest. I'm going to lie down and I'm going to trust this good, good shepherd. God wants you to have rest without the stress. I'm going to ask every head be bowed, all eyes closed. Father, thank you that when we let you lead, we can find true rest. Father, thank you that as the sheep, all we have to do is follow. God, I pray for those have been wandering and they think you've forgotten them they don't know where home is but God I thank you that you're not only the shepherd that leads you're also the shepherd that leaves the 99 and you go for the one Father thank you that even when I can't find my way, I don't even have to try to find my way. You'll come running after me. And you'll pick me up and you will carry me to a place of rest and peace. God, thank you that we don't have to guide ourselves. We don't have to lead ourselves. You are our shepherd. We lack nothing help us to see that where we are is the green pasture even if it might not look like it's a green pasture you always have what we need for that day can I share this with you I shared it this morning 2020 was the hardest but most beautiful year for me because it was a revelation to me of how little I trusted God. I was traveling, done it for 16 years, traveling all over the world, preaching the gospel. And all of a sudden a pandemic hits and I can't get on the plane. That was our family's livelihood. And I thought, I trusted God, I thought I did, but I thought that me getting on a plane and going to preach was my provision. Not realizing the shepherd is my provision. So as I'm sitting at home in 2020, dealing with anxiety, panic attacks, waking up every single day depressed, wanting to give up. I'd be outside and my kids would be playing in the yard and I would hear the enemy in my head saying, this will be the last time they'll play on this playground. You're gonna lose this house, you're gonna lose everything. What kind of father are you? You can't even provide for your kids. These are the thoughts that would flood my mind. I couldn't rest. I was sleeping but I wouldn't get rest flooded with anxiety and 2020 was the year that God revealed to me he is my shepherd 
that I'm trying to fight and I'm trying to do it, but when you follow the shepherd, goodness and mercy follows you. As I'm stressed getting cancellation after cancellation after cancellation, all of a sudden emails would be popping up from people saying, hey, I watched a sermon you preached in 2012 and it blessed me on YouTube. Can't go out. I'm stuck in the house. I watched the message. God told me to sow this seed into your ministry. It happened every single day. Random pastors would call me out of the blue and said, hey, I was praying this morning and God told me to send your family a check. I know you can't go out on the road. And here I was going, well, do you want me to preach? Do you want me to do something? Because that's how it is. We don't even know how to receive the rest of God. We think we have to perform. We think we have to do something. But God said, no, you just got to lie down and the green pastor that I provide it was a revelation to me that if I'm following the shepherd I have every single thing that I need I don't know where you are right now I don't know what the enemy's whispering in your ear, but I'm telling you, if you have the shepherd, you have every single thing that you need. If you have the shepherd, you will be okay. Jesus plus nothing equals absolutely everything. If you want to rest, you got to trust. Rest is spelled T-R-U-S-T. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I need to know who I came for tonight. I'm talking to those of you who say, I need strength to trust in this season. To not walk away and think that my way is better, but to continue to follow the shepherd even when it doesn't look like a green pasture. If that's you, you need strength to trust. I believe God's going to give it to you tonight, tonight. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand as a sign to say, this is for me. Wow, yeah, yeah. Hands going up all over this place. Jesus, thank you, thank you. Whew. Thank you, God. God, thank you for the strength to trust. Even when we can't see. God, we don't have to see. You can see it. You're the shepherd. Anybody else, just lift it up. Those of you online, God's presence knows no limits. He'll meet you right there in your living room. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you are guiding your own life. And tonight, it's time to come home. The shepherd's not mad at you. The shepherd's not driving you. The shepherd searches for you. You're here tonight and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, this good shepherd. And you say, tonight I'm coming home. I can't guide my life. I am a sheep and I'm afraid. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand as a sign to say, God, I give you my life tonight. Lift it up high enough and long enough to where I can see it. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Anybody else? Thank you, God. Here's what I want to do. I think it's just something so powerful about leaving where you are and going to a new place. The green pasture is not one spot. The green pasture is a lifetime of following the shepherd from place to place, and it gives you what you need. So I'm going to ask you to be so bold and so brave if you lifted up your hand for either one of those tonight. If you're able, some of you even in the balcony, I just want you without fear of what somebody else is going to think. I just want you to leave where you are and I want you to just come up here to the front and I want us to have a time of worship right here at the front. When we have Tuesday night prayer, we pray over this spot right here. So many lives have been changed throughout this whole building, but there's just something about saying, God, I'm going to do something in the physical that's a picture of what's happening in the supernatural that I am leaving where I am and I am coming to you. Come on, come all the way to the front, all the way here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, we trust you. As they're coming, I just want the worship team just to lead us, but I just want you to come even with your hands lifted and just say, God, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you. Some of you have been trying to carry it. You need to just get it out of your hands and say, I can't, I can't carry it. God, I'm giving it to you. Jesus, I trust you. I 
trust you, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you where I don't see. I trust you when I don't understand. I trust you, I trust you. I don't know why we haven't been able to have a baby yet, but I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. I don't know, I don't know why I'm still single and I don't know I have a desire to get married, but I trust you, I trust you. I don't know why the marriage is falling apart and I'm trying and, and the stress is weighing me down, but I trust you, I trust you. I trust you for the strength that I need each day, each day, the strength that I need. Give me this day my daily bread. The strength you give me for today is the strength that I need. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world. Remember, when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to being social.